Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, or just trying to rediscover your why. I am your host, Harsha Boralesa, and this podcast came from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you on your path to greater success and fulfillment in your career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. Creativity, I think, is just about asking deep questions or even just sometimes the simplest of questions. There are things which are outside of our control. So no amount of worrying about those things is actually going to make anything better. Trusting your intuition and just acting, doing something is often better than doing nothing at all. The morning you wake up and you don't have a spring in your step and you're excited to start work, you know that there's an issue there. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Robin Waite. Hi, Robin. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Harsha, it's really great to be here. Very excited about where our conversation is going to go today. Brilliant. Um, Before we begin, I just wanted to thank all of the followers of the podcast and YouTube channel for their amazing support. And I had my first downloads in Egypt, Ecuador, and Nicaragua. Please subscribe, like, and share if you enjoy the content. Now back to the show. Robin is a business coach, keynote speaker, the founder of the Fearless Business Accelerator, and the best-selling author of online business startup and take your shot. He was entrepreneurial from a young age and used his earnings from a paper round to invest in secondhand CDs, which he sold to his school friends, hopefully at not too much of a profit. Whilst attending university, Robin spent four years as a systems analyst for a medical devices company, helping them increase their turnover by 50% from a million to one and a half million pounds. After graduation, he ran a successful design and advertising agency, serving over 250 clients for over 12 years. During this time, he helped over a thousand business owners improve their marketing, product architecture, pricing, websites, and digital advertising. Then he had a life-changing moment while riding his bike and decided to close his agency, which led to the start of the work he is doing today. Welcome, Robin. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Robin, I'm a big fan of the arts. Is there a performer, song, book or film which you'd like to share with our audience today? Well, I'm I'm actually, a, um, uh, it's going to sound ridiculous because I'm, I'm a, a white, very middle class British person. But actually, I um, I got into 50 Cent recently. Um, he wrote a brilliant book. Uh, I know obviously he's known for his rapping and his music, but he wrote a brilliant um, book, which is um, uh, Hustle, Hustle Smarter, Hustle Stronger or something along those lines. And um, he's it's a really interesting, actually, because there's a really nice business angle to the book, as well as like his whole journey. Um, and and kind of then starting to follow a story and listen to some of his interviews, like he's an incredibly like inspirational guy and has achieved so much from, you know, what you look when you look back at his history, very little, uh, like proper self-made entrepreneur. So. So, yeah, that would be that would be the book which I'd recommend. And, and 50 Cent definitely is the guy to follow. Cool. Um, I, I've had Eminem mentioned on the podcast, but never uh, 50 Cent. So moving on from that, it's obviously funny that we did not know each other until a few months ago. And then I saw one of your posts that um, our mutual friend, Simon Alexander Ong, shared. And I think it just shows that people are much closer to one than than you think. Are there any insights you have about sort of building your network by sort of reaching out to people and doing it in a sort of pleasant way? Yeah, I think that's, it's we live in a really interesting time, actually, um, in 2022. And you have to remember, I mean, I, I, I probably, I don't, maybe I don't look old enough, I don't know, but I've been running businesses for 20 plus years now, whether it be as a side hustle involved in other people's businesses or my own. Um, and marketing for, was very different, like connecting with people was very different back in 20, you know, 20, 2004. And I set up my first, pro- like doing bunny is proper biz- business when you could basically kind of print out a pack of business cards, show up to BNI networking meeting and go and speak to people. Like we actually spoke to real people back then. Imagine that, you know, and now it's very different because you've got all of these different social media platforms out there, all this, you know, plethora of all sorts of different types of businesses, thanks to the internet. But also what it's created, and probably the pandemic has added to this, a very disparate 
set of people as well. We're all working from home. We're, we're, there's still, you know, reluctance for people to want to en masse go to live events and things like that, which used to bring people together. So, you know, we, we are connecting with people in very different ways right now. And I think I think it does, it says very great things about social media, especially the likes of LinkedIn, which is I think where we first um, sort of connected with each other via Simon. Um, you know, but we're, we live in a world nowadays where most business owners are marketing through things like LinkedIn. And we have this very like yucky experience where they send us a direct message and want to sell us something. Um, my belief is that it's, it's social media, the key word there being social, like if you're using it the right way, which is around creating meaningful connections where you either want to add value, have a, a meaningful, you know, powerful conversation with somebody. If you want to genuinely deep down help advance the other person that you're reaching out to and connecting with, um, exactly like, you know, your first thing was you you reached out to me and invited me onto the podcast, which is an absolute pleasure. But it's a great opportunity for us to kind of now start to build trust, have a conversation, see where it goes. Um, I think too many people are trying to almost speed up the process of connecting with people and trying to sell. And it just leaves us with this very like yucky sort of taste in our mouths. And it's difficult to get away from that. But I think if genuinely you're doing it the right way, reaching out to people, adding value, offering to help them, um, you know, you're going to create some really great connections overall. And I think that's a great point you make, Simon, about just trying to uh, build that friendship, build that connection. Because I think if people do like you, um, then they'll they'll start trusting you. And also, look, we will make mistakes. I don't think any of us can say that we haven't. But I think if you make mistakes and you have a good relationship there, then people are willing to overlook, you know, if people say something, people are much more willing to forgive if there's a good relationship. So I think, you know, relationships are, you know, totally key. So yeah, I totally agree with everything that you're saying there. Now, if we if we sort of go back to the start, I saw from your bio that you worked as a systems analyst at the same time as going to university. Like, what's the story there? I mean, did you have any time to have a good time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I managed, still managed to have a good time. And I, I, so at the same time as I was doing that, I was actually um, a jobbing DJ as well. So I DJed for 10 years. So oh, I used cool. to go and I, I was a systems analyst during the day. I do my studies mostly in the afternoon and I'd go down to the clubs, go and do DJ in Cheltenham. And then I'd get back at some sometime round about, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning, at which point I'd actually work on a side hustle. <laughs> and then finally I'd get some sleep. So, but then well, I was in my twenties then, you know, so I had a lot more energy, but the reason, funny enough, the reason it came about. So um, when I was about 14 or 15, um, my dad worked in the education sector and he, um, they had an issue with managing their their data um, within their organization. So he was like, oh, my son's a bit of a geek. He'll build you a, an access database that will sort it all out. So I was like, so I did. And that was that was my first paying paying gig, basically, as a business owner at 14 or 15. Um, I think I got paid something like 300 or 400 pounds or something for it. And it was a massive, it took me hours. It was a ridiculous project. That led me down the path of like using my, I've got quite an analytical brain. I love numbers. Um, so... At the end of sixth form, I kind of had, you have a choice, don't you? It's either university or job. And um, I had I didn't really have an ambition actually to go to university at that time. I was like, I love business. I just want to get it, get out there and start working in a business. And I stumbled across this job um, in this medical company. Essentially, they had these very complex process layouts, which are essentially designed plans on how to make the products. We used to make electrosurgical equipment. And there was about 17, by the time you worked out the different combinations of wires and handles and diodes and things like that there was probably about seventeen thousand different products and each one of them required a cat a really complicated cad drawing right so done by hand by one of my colleagues wow the process was just slow and clunky and if uh, we were accredited by i think it was the c regulations or something like that so we had to if we had to change one thing it normally affected about 800 cad drawings that needed updating it was just archaic so I built an access database, which basically was drag and drop. You pulled the different parts in. And if if a cable changed on one, it would automatically change across all 800. And of course, as a naive 18-year-old, when I built that in this job, I didn't realize that my mate sat across the other desk from me is basically now his job's redundant because <laughs> I've replaced him with a uh, this new system. And eventually it went on to replace the production manager. Uh, it sped up the whole invoicing process. So it, it replaced that person. Uh, if we needed to come up with a new product, it didn't take months. It was like literally minutes. We could just drag and drop, create a new product, send out somebody and they would order it. So our salesperson then got made redundant. So 
I took great pride in the fact that I built this amazing system, but it wasn't until I kind of got towards the end of that job where I realized that um, I was responsible now for people leaving. They're being made redundant. And I, very naively, it just hadn't occurred to me that that was the downside. Um, and yeah, well, whilst I was kind of doing, we got, so that was, a, it was supposed to be just a summer job you know, project to work on and that'd be it. But we got to September and they said, oh, we really want to keep you on, but we can't afford to keep you on full time. Um, so do you want to look at other stuff? And I was like, well, if I can do 20 hours a week here and go and study, you know, great. And you're if you're happy to pay for that. So it was a nice compromise. Education back in the 2000s wasn't as as expensive. So um, so I, I was sponsored by them to go to university and that's where I did the business management degree at the same time. And really, I really enjoyed it, really kind of like thrived in that you know, having a nice mixture of hands-on business plus the theory behind it. Oh, I, I just love that story, Simon. And, and it's funny, um, you don't realise sometimes the implications of your actions until, yeah, later on on down the line, especially you're very uh, young and raw. Um, so, yeah, I just love that story and and credit to you for managing to do both. So um, after, you know, graduation, uh, you decided to set up your own business rather than going down the more traditional route of um, you know, being a graduate trainee. Uh, wh- why was that? Why did you start decide to do that? Yeah, well, it was it was actually pre um, pre graduation. So I got my degree, but I didn't um, I didn't get a classified degree. Uh, so a bit of transparency. And the reason for that is I picked a subject which was very complex for my dissertation. So uh, there's a this is the backstory to the question. Um, and for some reason, mid-year, my dissertation tutor just, just vanished up and left. She was from Venezuela and she just went back to Venezuela without telling anybody. So um, eventually the university, I was like, well, I can't get hold of my dissertation student, like teacher, what's going on? And they said, well, she's gone. We can't get hold of her. And this was about March. And we had to hand it in in June. So... Um, in fact, it was a bit earlier than that, February, I think it was, um, in my final year. And they said, well, we've and we've reached out to other universities. We don't have anybody who's qualified enough to mark your dissertation. So you've got a couple of choices. Well, one choice, you have to redo it and choose another su- subject. And I'm like, 15,000 odd words into this dissertation. I'm, I'm like, you find somebody. I'm not rewriting this thing. Um, and they couldn't. So actually, um, at that point, I was like, well, I could either rewrite it yeah. or give it up and do the thing which I always wanted to do with now, which was start a business. So I actually handed in my notice at the the previous job, which I talked about just now. And then, and, and all the while, like my parents, like Robin, what on earth are you doing? This is just, you know, this is madness. You should finish a degree. Like this is, you know, to set you up for life and this, that, and there. I've always just kind of, I listen to them. I respect my parents, but I've always, you know, done my own thing. That's got me to where I've got to. And, um, so I started up, uh, I actually went to Florida with my girlfriend and out there, whilst I was out there, the guy who I made redundant, who was doing the process layouts, he was actually now running a web design business. And I'd started tinkering with computers and laptops and things like that. And I had a really great side hustle buying and selling these grade listed laptops for construction companies. So whilst I'm out in Florida, I get this call from him. He's like, Robin, I know you're doing like IT stuff. I'm doing IT stuff. Why don't we get together and we'll set up this business? So we ended up... Um, I was like, well, I don't have my education to worry about. And I quit that job. So I don't have to, you know, let's do it. Let's go for it. Um, and I didn't look back. That was the start of, um, at the time, the business was called Hostpipe. We did a lot of web hosting and things like that. We built websites. We eventually then got into branding and design. Um, and that business went on for 12 years. Now, I had a great relationship with my my now business partner who I'd met before. We, we, we always remained really great friends, despite the fact that I was responsible for him losing his job. And we're still in touch now, even, you know, 20 odd years on. So it's testament to the relationship we built. But yeah, that business went on for 12 years and we had a great time building that. But I, I just love that story about, and I, I had no idea, and I'm sorry if it brings up bad memories, Robin, about university. I mean, that must be a complete nightmare when your tutor suddenly vanishes. Um, but but I just like the, the, the way you almost reframed that situation. You said, look, okay, um, what's happened has happened. I think for a lot of people, they would have just you know, completely freaked out and got really depressed. But I think you use that in a sort of a positive sort of way and said, okay, look, What's done is done. There's no point looking back. Got to look forward. 
Um, yeah. I want to start up my business. Uh, luckily, I've got this contact with the guy I made redundant, and he's sp- still speaking to me. And then you look forward. I, I just love that. So uh, bravo to you for um, being mature. And, 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 and especially if your dad is in education, that must have been a very tricky conversation just saying, dad, I'm not going to like get my degree or get it classified. I mean, that must have been tough. Well, it, it was, but I think by that point, you know, I'm 22 at that point, and he 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 knows now that I'm a bit of a maverick and I like to do my own thing. And and he was he's he was my biggest um you know fan. He was my biggest supporter through everything that I've been through. He passed away very sad eight years ago, so um he's not around anymore, you know. But um the, one of the things about it was it, there was a certain element though of um, managing the risk that I was also doing. So when I went to speak to the um, the head of the department, uh, the business department. And the first question I asked was, if I don't do my dissertation, will I still get a degree? And she said, yes, you won't get a classification. I was on track for a two, borderline 2122. Um, so I'd have got a sec- second um, second classification on the degree, but um, I said, well, I definitely get it. The funny thing was though, when I went to collect my um, my degree, so we had the cer- ceremony at the end, graduation ceremony, mm-hmm. So we had a choice. We could either choose um, Bachelor of Arts, so BA, or, or a Bachelor of Science, BSc. And um, I chose because I've always been analytical. I've seen what the work that I do as being quite scientific. It's based around numbers. It's, you know, things like that. It's It was all about, and I was a, a um, data analyst at the end of the day, systems analyst. Um, so I went for a Bachelor of Science in business management, right? I was the only person out of 400 students to go and collect a Bachelor of Science for business management that year. So they loaded 399 people up onto the stage ahead of me. And then they went, and now here's our awards for the Bachelor of Science in Business Management. And it was just me walking up onto that stage. And I was like, that, that I actually, I was like celebrated that. And my parents were like, what on earth was that about? It's just like, well, I see myself as being a scientist, you know, you're not an artist. Cool. No, I, I, just, I just love that. I just love that story. And, and I think just you know, turning to your business, I think um, there are so many lessons, I think, that individuals can learn from a sort of marketing and branding perspective uh, to boost their careers. Because I think it's so important nowadays to uh, try and stand out from the competition, show why you're unique. Because I think if you're doing the same thing as everybody else, then it's very much almost a luck of the draw, whether you, you find somebody who likes you or, or gives you a chance. So do you think you could share some uh, strategies and thoughts, Robin, um, that may help our listeners, um, you know, in terms of their careers, uh, in terms from a marketing and branding perspective? Yeah, well, I mean, to, to we can go back and quote Fifty Cent. So he he, um, <laughs> th- this is this was one of the standout bits actually from his from his um, book. So he mentored other rappers, and one of those was a, a guy called Pitbull. Um, and uh, Pitbull had a he likes to take samples from other people's songs and use them in his own music. So one year, his one of his songs got challenged, um, and it, it was a million dollar lawsuit, and. He went to 50 Cent and asked for his advice. And 50 Cent, all he said was, well, you've made it. And it's like, well, why? How? If somebody's like wants to, you know, tear me down and bring the lawyers against me, how have I made it? It's like, well, you people care enough about you sampling their music that they want a piece of that. You've made it. Like they're noticing you. And I think um, my advice for people who are certainly if, if they're in employed roles is, is you can you can toe the party line and do what is expected of you. And there, there's a thing going on at the moment um, where people are literally just working. They're not going above and beyond for their employers because they don't see the need to do it. If they can make enough money just by doing the barest minimum 37 and a half hours in the week and get paid for it and not get fired for it, then that's what they'll do. And there's this, actually this whole movement around um, millennials and um, uh, wide things. That's silent it, the quitting, silent quitting yeah. thing. Yeah. If you want to get noticed, you've actually got to stand up. You don't have to go over and above. You don't have to kill yourself like working like 60, 70, 80 hours a week. That's certainly not what I'm saying. But I think if you believe in something strongly enough, you should stand up for yourself and speak your mind. Um, even, even if it means that it might put your head on the chopping block and you might risk losing your job. Because quite often the things which people don't say are the things which actually push the needle the most. And if you can find a way to stand up and speak your mind and make considerable changes for your employer of course they're going to notice you and but if you're the person who's kind of like you know just quietly behind the scenes just clocking in clocking out not getting noticed i can guarantee those are also the same sorts of people going 
Oh, I keep on getting passed over for promotion. Oh, I never get the pay rises, which I want. Oh, they never give me the opportunities in the business. You, know, you can't just sit there and just be a shrinking violet. You know, so my biggest piece of advice is, is, is just, um, you know, we, yes, we spend a majority of our time working. Um, yes, there is also a means to an end to earn some money. But at the end of the day, you know, you look at something like the Japanese principle of Ikigai, where you have to match up your mission and your values and your 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 purpose and things like that. And can I get paid for it? Um, uh, you know, in terms of that professional side of things, then um, you you've got to just put yourself forward and like stand up for what you stand for. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, no, and I, I think that that's you know some great points you made there, Robin. I think sometimes. You know, people. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Just doing the bare minimum isn't isn't going to get you noticed. Uh, but I also think that if you're doing a good job, you have to figure out a way of communicating that with your boss or other people in your team. And I think maybe a good way of doing that is, say, writing an article or doing a post on LinkedIn. And I I think especially when it's somebody from outside your company who's saying, so if I wrote something and then, you know, you comment, say, yeah, well done, Harsha. It's not, you know, a friend, it's somebody, you know, a third party uh, who's saying, yeah, th this is good work. So I think, you know, when you can get somebody else to praise you or just produce content and then, and then, even you know, when you're going through like a job application process, people will look for you on LinkedIn or Google or whatever. They'll see um, things that you've done, content that you've created. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way of um, getting your story across. I mean, what, what do you think, Robin? Yeah, I think if you're, if, if you're willing to use your initiative and you whatever is the message you're trying to portray there, you're, you're able to back it up with evidence. I think that's massively important um, for sure. And I mean, Google have kind of got a good, a lot, lot of big corporations now have got a good system. Google especially is um, a well-known example where they effectively give their employees, you know, a day off a week to work on their own projects. So long as it's for the betterment of you know, the, the Google, the corporation, um, and all the world, it can be personal projects as well. And I think, um, uh, I don't think enough businesses are doing enough to give their employees that level of flexibility and freedom to kind of work on their own projects. But maybe that's where you have to make a decision about, okay, well, if I can't necessarily do it on work time, let, let me be at least interested enough in that the subject to what the business is about to go off and do a little side project and then take it back to the business and show it to them. Now, if you do something which can save that company a bit of time or make them a bit of extra money or do do something in an in, in, innovative way, can't say that word, in, in, oh, I'm not going to try and say it again, innovative, <laughs> it's just got to be innovative, um, intrapreneurial. So if, if they act in an entrepreneurial, an entrepreneurial way within a corporation, again, they're going to, people are going to notice them because when they need a creative idea, well, for something, who are they going to go to? They're going to go to that person who came up with the creative idea last time, um, and that and that then shifts you into a different sort of work dynamic from in, into being that person who kind of just takes orders and just get, you know just does the job, or that person who's going to be creative, inspiring, come up with new ideas to grow the business. And I love that point you make about creativity because um, I don't know about you what you, what your background is like in terms of creativity, but for me, um, I've always sort of been on the sort of finance track, and I've never thought of myself as being particularly creative. But actually, since starting the podcast and the YouTube channel, and purely because I've really done a deep dive into um, sort of neuroscience, psychology, how that impacts careers and personal development. Um, I, I find that I'm just coming up with ideas all the time. I'm not saying they're great ideas, but I'm just getting a lot of ideas, and 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 it's not me looking for them. Um, and it, and it's sometimes weird with the say the podcast. You know, people ask me how do I get you know great guests like Robin Waite, and it's purely because um, you know uh, I knew Simon. Uh, I saw Simon's post, reached out to you. Um, obviously, there's a numbers game. You have to reach out to so many people. But I think if you put out good work and hopefully make a couple of good connections and they trust what you've done with them, then I think um, good things hopefully will happen. And I think that creativity element, um, I think when you're looking from the outside, um, you know, it's almost like, how do you go from here to there? But actually on the inside, I'm maybe, maybe you found this as well. You're simply taking the next step um, and you're not doing anything that you think is particularly groundbreaking. I mean, what, what do you think, Robin? Well, there was something quite telling in what you said there that I, I've, you know, I've been a numbers guy, and how can you be creative? Well, think of some of our the greatest people on this planet who've ever lived, and like if if maths, 
you know, every problem that has ever been solved in this world has been solved by maths, okay, and numbers. So creative problem solving happens in a number of different ways. It doesn't just have to be visual or physical or however else you want to define creativity. Um, you know, so so I, I think some of the most creative like people are people who work with numbers, if I'm honest. You know, they just see the world in a very different way to how many sort of other people see the world. So um uh, so yeah, I don't know. It probably doesn't answer your question necessarily, but it was just a personal reflection on something you said, Harsha. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm t- I, I suppose maybe that's my mindset. That, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're sort of in uh, an area, you know, and and you're doing that, you don't particularly think that what you're doing is creative. But then you look at other people, artists, musicians, uh, filmmakers, and then you think, wow, they're they're really creative. But no, I, yeah. I totally take your point, and I think sometimes it's just looking at things in a counterintuitive manner. Because yeah. if you're doing the same, the thing that everybody else is doing, you'll come up with the, exactly the same result. But actually, if you look at things slightly differently, that's where it gives you an edge. And I think going forward, it's the people who can look at things differently, look at problems differently. And I, I think this whole thing with sort of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, obviously there's a fairness element, which I totally agree. But also I think for companies to thrive and to reach the widest audience, you need different voices. If you have the same people with the same background, you're not going to get any anything new, are you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, so Matthew Saeed's written an amazing book. He talks about this whole sort of, you know, if you have a, a board which is made up of 16, you know, 15, 50 year old men yeah. all white all from you know christians all from the same background like and you ask them to solve a problem write 10 solutions to a problem they're all going to come up with the same 10 solutions whereas if you then pull ideas from different male and female from different races from different religious backgrounds from different upbringings you'll end up with like and you have 16 of them you'll end up with 160 different ideas not 10 you know ways to solve that pro- those problems so the more cre- creativity, I think, is just about asking deep questions or even just the, sometimes the simplistic questions and seeing what answers people come up with and making sure that there is a diversity of people there to be able to answer those questions. And I've done various, you know, various things, you know, business courses and things like that. And they're always like, oh, there's no such there's no such question. There's no no stupid question to or no stupid answers. And you do those um, sort of uh, brainstorming ideas where it's just like you throw everything into the hat. And yet still in 2022, you will meet managers and leaders in businesses who will shoot you down in front of a group of people. Now, what is that going to do to people's confidence? Naturally, the next time they're put in that same situation, they're going to hold their ideas back. So this isn't just something about I'm an employee. I'm going to put myself out there. It also has to come from the top down. It has to be about management and leaders deciding that that this is an open place and safe place for us to be able to share you know, our thoughts, our concerns, our worries on our, on our ideas. You know, Matthew, in Black Box Thinking, Matthew Side talks about this um, uh, example where there's a very routine operation that this sort of woman in her mid-30s, mother of two, goes in for. A very sad story, but uh, so they go to intubate her, which is where they put the tube down the throat and, you know, the operation starts and she has locked jaw and then they try and fight, the surgeons try and fight to open the jaw up and eventually they open the jaw up and then her throat, the palate doesn't allow the tube to go down and this thing drags on. And meanwhile, the nurse has come in with a um, emergency tracheotomy kit and said, Hey guys, I've got this if you need it. And they're like, no, 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 we don't need that. We're doing our best here. And that, there, there's this whole thing about um, it's called cognitive dissonance where we're telling, we're kind of kidding ourselves that we're doing our best that those doctors, they were like, we did everything we could to save her. Okay. And she, uh, very sadly, she, she passed away doing everything we can to save her. Whereas actually if they just picked the right moment to when it got beyond the point of no return, let's do the emergency tracheotomy, bring her back around. We'll have to redo the operation again, but they kept on going, kept on going. Now, the thing is what stopped them from admitting fault there was the fact that they thought they'd lose their jobs if they said we made a mistake. And this is, that's a very extreme example. And there's been plenty of other examples around, you know, airplanes that have crashed and various things like that, where pilots have said, oh, it wasn't our responsibility. And you, the, you get the black box, black, you know, black box thinking, the black box comes out and lo and behold, it shows pilot error. And they're still stood there going, I did everything I could to land this plane. We've got to make it um, better in the work workplace to be able to have just, it's just feedback. There's no rights or wrongs here. You haven't failed if something goes wrong, but let's try and dissect it and figure it out. And 
the 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 upside the moral of the story with black box thinking was with this the, the case of the doctor the husband of the woman pursued it and pursued it and pursued it and then eventually though he was just like i don't care what happens to you i'll do whatever i can to protect your job to the surgeon but you need to come out about this and let everybody know what happened so it doesn't happen again so they then had a procedure which they put in place it's a checkbox exercise around timings and what happens and lo and behold over the course of the next year it's something like 20 odd similar cases occurred where the patients were saved so it, it feels like in the moment it doesn't um help or it doesn't matter if we make mistakes known up to it but actually the consequences of it if we document it can be really positive yeah and I, and I love that point you make about leadership and i think there's some really interesting points first i suppose you have to engender culture within your organization where people are, are happy to admit you know, where, where they've made a mistake obviously they shouldn't be doing the same mistake constantly but i think that people as we said people make mistakes um and you have to be in an environment where you can just say look this has happened um and let's try and move on uh but but also i think with with leaders um uh, they they have to make sure that they get the views of everybody um in that room because you know how it is i'm sure you've been in those meetings where basically the the leader speaks first and yeah. then that's the the party view uh, and that's a terrible thing because nobody else is going to disagree with that um uh, guy or girl because they're fearful for their jobs so you have to have this environment. Um, and how did you find leadership? Um, because obviously you would have gone from you know doing your thing to starting up your own business. You now my agency was very modest. We only got it to just shy of 250k. I had a small team of four or five people at you know most times, but it was just a small local agency. Um, and then then I now all the responsibilities on my shoulders, so complete role reversal. I'm trying to be a role model to you know, my team whilst also, you know, having my own responsibilities and things like that to hold down. So I've seen it from both sides of the picture. And in, in the end, I, part of it was, you know, I sold the agency because um, in the end, just life got too much for me. And I didn't, I no longer wanted that responsibility. Selling the agency was like an easy out for me. You always kind of question yourself as to whether you're doing a good job when you run a business or if you're in a managerial position or a leader, you're always like, am I, is everybody happy? Am I doing a good job here? And how I quantify that I think I did a pretty good job was at the end of it, when I had to have that conversation and tell the team, I'm really sorry, guys, I've got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is you're going to lose your job. Good news is selling the agency, but I'll look after you. They couldn't have been more supportive, my team. And I think had, um, had I not done a good job, I think they probably would have all, all been like, you know, whooping and hollering, not wait, you know, couldn't wait to get out of the business at that point sort of thing. <laughs> get the, get the redundancy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they, but they were all like, do you know what, so please, this is really great for you. They're like really supportive, um, you know, and now I, I'm in a luxurious position. It's very, again, like running fearless business as a coaching practice, again, is very different um, from a leadership perspective. So I have a small team now of associate coaches. So they run their own practices, but essentially they consult for me. But I have 120 clients within Fearless at the moment. And they're all, again, looking to me for leadership. So as we come into like what is right now, some of the toughest economical circumstances to be running a business, yeah. trying to grow a business that I've ever experienced in my 20 plus years in business now. Um, you know, they're looking to me for stability, security, bit of a shoulder to lean on, um, just somewhere you know, to feel safe. And that I've reached a point now where I relish that. And I really look forward to like the opportunity to be able to help those business owners through the next couple of years. It's going to be a tough couple of years. Yeah, um, and, and actually, Robin, I think that's such a great point you make. I think there's so much fear at the moment and it's, it's you know, rather than uh, diminishing it, it's almost getting worse. You know, people are concerned about their gas prices, inflation, um, especially if you're running a business. Um, you know, it, it's really tough. Obviously, we're not trying to give specific advice, but sometimes you have to acknowledge that fact that these are tough times. Um, yeah. Don't try and fight it, uh, but just say, look, it is what it is. Uh, and then try and speak to somebody about uh, you know, how you're feeling. Um, hopefully your coaches are going to speak to you. Hopefully your clients are going to speak to you or and say yourself, um, hopefully you've got friends or trusted advisors you can lean on. But I think that whole idea of talking, it's a really helpful thing uh, and not just bottling it in. Because I think if you just keep everything within yourself, it's it's tough. Um, I mean, what, what do you think, Robin? Yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, I again like because of this whole thing i mean the pandemic kind of accelerated it but this whole working from home thing has become very comfortable for a lot of people and as good as zoom is that you can't be actually sitting in a room 
with somebody else and being able to kind of, you know, because you get a different sort of vibe, it's different energy. And the downside to it is some people have kind of seen that as just the, the way, that's the way life is now, sat behind a screen. And yeah, the best thing you could possibly do is just reach out and speak to somebody, Um, you know, whether it's family, friends or whatever, you know, even just getting down the pub for a pint with your best mate. Um, I've got several mates who will just... Yes, they, we all run small our own small businesses, some bigger businesses, but we'll go and try and just meet up and chat and just, you know, talk about family and business and life and stuff like that. But, right, I mean, the thing is, when it comes to fear, though, because, again, that was really pertinent what you said there, there are things which are outside of our control. So the current economic climate, the war in Ukraine, all of these different things, they're massively out of our control. So no amount of worrying about those things is actually going to make anything better. Um, then there are things which are in our control. So what can I do to overcome some of those challenges? Well, are there any creative ways that I can either make some more money for me, my family, my business? Are there any creative ways that we can save some money? Making yourself available to your family and friends who maybe are struggling to, you know, so you can be that that shoulder to to lean on and, and have a conversation with. But the thing is, when when you, you focus on that stuff that's out of your control, the fear kicks in, people make really dumb decisions. They can't work out what we call second and third order consequences of their decisions. So again, like making a decision that might save me 20 quid today, you know, let's say we go and just cancel our subscriptions. Are we going to cancel Netflix? We're going to cancel like Amazon Prime. We're going to cancel our subscription to Amazon Music or whatever. And now we've saved ourselves 20 pounds a month, but we're really ha- unhappy <laughs> because now we don't we can't watch our favorite programs, can't <laughs> listen to our favorite music. Like Alexa yeah. throws a hissy fit every time you ask it to play a tune. <laughs> You know, and, and then life becomes more frustrating. So that's just like second. And I know that sounds really trivial, but those so second and third order consequences, which then impact our happiness. Yeah, you, you, you can't listen to Reframe and Reset Your Career on Amazon Podcast. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> <a> nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the world is coming to an end. <laughs> but like I said, we, we make we make poor, poor decisions. Yeah. And the thing is, like life for many people, actually, if you ground yourself for a moment and you go, right now in this moment am i safe am i okay you know for a majority of people like the world is a better place than it was 100 or 200 years ago despite what the media says all of the stats point to it being better like right now for many of us we're safe and and my family's safe yes they're okay my girls i can see my wife she's in the house my girls are safe they'll be back in school tomorrow so right now they're safe even if like worst came to the worst and we couldn't pay our mortgage next month are we going to be homeless like the next day no our bank gives us three months grace. So we we're, we're, we have a roof over our head for at least the three next three months. So there's all these things in our head. It's like the, the world's coming to an end. It's a disaster, global pandemic, you know, can't have, costs are going up, so I can't afford to pay this. So next week I'm going to be poor, homeless and destitute. No, actually, it's like this order of events which will happen, which you can then mitigate and figure out and work out a problem to it. But those are all, you've got to focus on all of those things, which are then in your control to kind of start to minimize the challenges that we're going to be facing over the next couple of years. Yeah, no, I, I just love that, that those points you're making. And I think it's really about having that mindset. Look, um, you know, ideally, we wouldn't be going through this situation, but we are. There's yeah. nothing we can do about these macro factors. And it's just thinking, okay, how do I get through the next month or the next half year and then hopefully in a year's time two years time we'll be on the other side but yeah just worrying about things you can't control yeah i I just love that robin and this whole idea of control what you can control um the other stuff yeah there's nothing you can do but now just turning to your book take your shot um i've got a copy here uh for anybody who's watching this on uh the uh, youtube uh loved reading it uh great book um, now, can you just tell us a little bit about it and what inspired you to write it? And obviously, this is your second book. So, yeah, um, yeah that's really impressive. Two best-selling books. Well done. Thank you. That's really kind. Um, yeah, so what inspired the book? So I, I've been coaching now since um, 2016. And um, so that was the the trans the, the journey between selling my agency and then setting up um, the, the coaching practice. Um, I did a webinar at the, in that in that intermediary sort of period, which was just about um, uh, it was actually about personal branding and something else. And I had, and it was designed for other other agencies, basically web designers. And I had this guy who was a golf pro who, who was very excitable on the webinar, asked, asked tons of questions. And then he reached out to me afterwards and, and and I was like, why did you come onto this webinar for web designers? Like, it's just because I was starting to get into a bit of consulting coaching work um, early on and it was a way to market it. 
And he just said, oh, I, I just, I saw the, the the invitation go out and I think LinkedIn or something like that. And I thought, oh, that looks interesting. So I'll jump on it. And um, so lo and behold, he he was struggling with all of the things that a lot of business owners struggle with. So, um, uh, but his biggest biggest challenge was like, if it, if it rained on a Saturday afternoon, anything up to three quarters of his clients just wouldn't show up. And he was taking cash in hand at the end of a lesson. So clients don't show up, he doesn't get paid. Um and the result of that, he had a young family himself. It's a lot of stress and struggle. We felt like he was working all hours. He still had to work in the pro shop, despite the you know even if his clients didn't show up, if he wasn't getting paid, he'd work in the pro shop. But he had to, he had an agreement where he'd do that for free, so he could work for an entire day and not get paid. Um, and anyway, so take your shot was actually based on my coaching journey with him. So I just walked him through this process around you know rather than seeing it as a service and selling lessons, what is the outcome that he wants to deliver for his clients? How does he how does he articulate the value around that that offer how does he price it so that actually he gets paid up front as opposed to on you know with the lessons you know within literally a matter of about 60 days it just completely transformed his business and um you know making tons of money and i think by page 74 or something there's a bit of artistic license there because we talk about his goals which is a major sort of you know aspect of the book actually you know you you can't achieve what you want to achieve if you don't know what it is if you don't ask of the universe you know uh, uh what it is that you want out of this out of your life um so we start to move into some of his goals which were i want to get onto the speaking circuit and i want to do these amazing golf retreats for professionals and i want my family to travel with me and things like that so and he's he's achieved most of it so yeah so essentially take your shot is based on a true story it's told as a parable an actual story um about that journey between client and coach and how he tra- transforms his life and 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 robin just just for our listeners uh, who are not interested in sport golf is a very sort of it could be any business owner or anybody really but you know golf is it, it, that's what he did so obviously you're sticking to the facts yeah but you don't have to be a golf fan or a sports fan to uh get all the the, the lessons from the book no it? not in the slightest and i i rue the fact there is a one-star review out there from somebody saying oh it's about <laughs> golf and i was just like you missed if that's your one reason for giving me a one star you completely missed the point yeah well anyway what, what can you what can you do about that but i'm not holding on to that by the way harsher at all in the slightest <laughs> but but i i think there's some great points um that you can pick up from that you know not just from for business owners but also for individuals in their careers and and this whole idea of goal setting because i think if you can uh sort of say where you want to get to in say a year's time two years time three years time and then almost reverse engineer and say look these are the steps i need to achieve to get to that position but but also i think when you're coming up to your reviews with your boss then you can say if you have these clear goals you can say well i did everything you asked of me why didn't I get the pay rise or why didn't I get the promotion? I think it's a way of um, putting things down on paper and clearly saying, look, this is what I need to do. Um, I mean, what what do you think, um, Robin? Yeah, I mean, goal, goal setting is massively important. I liken it to jumping into, imagine if you jumped in your car every day and just drove randomly, right? A bit, and you ended up somewhere and you're either going to be disappointed with where you ended up you know, or you're going to be like, oh, oh, this is a nice surprise, isn't it? So, but you're going to get this like flip-flopping around between it being a good thing and a bad thing. Whereas, you know, the first thing normally you do when you get into a car, if you don't know, you know, or if you know the dis- the destination, you'll punch the postcode into yeah. your sat-nav and then it'll work out the most optimal route for you. And that is a very simple process, you know, that uh, objective setting and the key results, the key results of the milestones along the way that you need to achieve. Um, it's helpful. It's not just for business owners or people in jobs. It can help you in any aspect of your life. If you have a specific, de- and that destination could change, you could be en route to it and you could decide, actually, I've decided that's not the right route. I'm going to go off over here. And then you can re- you know, reverse engineer that route. But it lays down the most optimal path to get there. And so you know, if, if you're in a career and you just, you know that there are certain things that you've got to do, for example, you know, my wife's a lawyer, we've helped to go from, you know, um, a newly qualified lawyer through to becoming an associate, to becoming a partner, to becoming a, you know, exec partner. Yeah. There were certain things that she had to do along the way, milestones she had to achieve in order to get those roles. She had to evidence it. She had to produce a business plan to say that she'd achieved those things, which her bosses can see and they've taken note of and then give her the promotion. Um, so any, anybody, you know, if you're just blindly turning up to your, you know, your job every day and just doing stuff, 
that's like jumping into your car and driving randomly for an hour or eight hours in a certain direction then scratching your head going well why wasn't that fulfilling and why don't i like the destination and and, and also i think you know, following on from that i think you know say if things don't work out at your current employer and you've you've had these goals and you've worked towards them and you've hit them then actually when you're going to interview somewhere else then you can actually tell these people look um i, I had the the goal of hitting i don't know 100,000 in sales or whatever it is and i achieved it and these are the clients that i've worked with then you know you can always take that elsewhere so i think that yeah. you know that's such a such a great point you've made and then one other point i think or there, there are obviously many great points in the book but this whole idea of taking action and not procrastinating because i think as the the golf pro was saying look he he wasn't really sure what to do he wasn't sure how to like create these products and uh but he you know you helped him do that and i think for a lot of people they're thinking and thinking and thinking and they're just not taking action um and and i think a lot of it is fear but yeah, yeah. i think the this whole idea of taking action uh, it may work it may not work but not taking action is is sometimes worse uh what what do you think robin well not not taking action isn't just worse i mean it's it's just not going to get you anywhere because <laughs> like like as it michael jordan said you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take yeah. you know the thing is like the um the human beings are very smart like machine okay in terms of how we're built and programmed and everything else and our intuition our gut instinct is more often than not is right because it's based on in instinct of our past experiences and things that we've you know inherited from our parents and their parents and their parents like over hundreds of millions of years um and so if you have a decision to make if you've if you've got your goal in mind you've worked out what the key milestones are that are going to get you there rather than overthink it or plan too much. And if your gut instinct is telling me, yeah, I'm pretty certain this is going to move me forward closer to my destination, just go for it. There'll be one time in 10 where your intuition was wrong and something happens. And then all you do is if it's taking you off in a different direction, you just go back to where the next activity is or thing is that's going to get you back on track again. You know, um, I've seen people just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then, you know, and they'll complain all through that waiting time as well that things aren't working out. And it's just like, well, actually, if you just got on and did it, you'd be like X number of, you know, you know, X amount further on than where you were previously. Um, because it it's like a you know, very, very it's very rare that you do something in in the workplace or in business that sets you back. Okay. You, it's, it's called gross negligence. That's the thing which sets you back again. When you do something which is just so dumb that it's you, it's just not acceptable and then you lose your job right most of the time most things you do will either move you forward or it will move you at an angle but it's still closer towards the goal and so yeah. you just do these you know you just course correct all the way until you you achieve that goal um so trusting your intuition and just acting doing something is often better than doing nothing at all yeah and, and i think uh you're know, following on from that a lot of it is is fear isn't it and i yeah. and obviously uh, we can see your business fearless uh coaching and all that stuff and i think it's just trying to overcome that fear because look nobody wants to look stupid nobody wants to fail but actually if you reframe it and say look okay i'm doing this it might not work but at least i've um, you know, taken action and over i think overcoming fear is something which is not easy for many people um yeah, hundred percent. You know, you've got to well to to coin a phrase. You know, you've got to take your shot. You've got to you've got to just give it a go. And and the thing is, again, most people will see that if again if it comes from the, the, a place of deep intention, like good intention, other people will see that as well, and they'll see that at least you're trying. Again, if if it's like mistake after mistake after mistake, that th those things do start to accrue, and it can be problematic. But that's it's so rare that that ever happens. You know, I think if it's done with the best intentions to to help move that business forward, nobody will look bad on that at all. Yeah, no, I think I think that that's fantastic. And um, are, there, are there any other thoughts from the book? You know, there are plenty of lessons I think that I picked up. But are there, are there any other things that um, you'd like to share with our listeners, um, which might help them in their careers? I th I think um, you have to be aspirational. I think like well, you can be aspirational, or realistic. You have a choice, don't you, between the two of them? You can't have both. Um, and. I think if you were if you were being a, a, a realist and you were, you're happy with the status quo, don't expect too much out of life. And I think if um, but actually, if you want more out of life, you've got to you've got to give before you get basically. Um, but you have to lay down those aspirations with intention. You have to go if if I want that, if I want to be made up and get that promotion, if I want to be a partner in a law firm, or if I want to be a, I don't know, head of a department or something like that. 
there's a future version of you in 12 months, five years time or whenever in, in the future that needs you, the current version of you today, to start doing something. Um, so the, the the hard part is figuring out, well, what, what did I do to get there and what do I need to do today in order to start that process? Fear is, look, at the end of the day, like we, we don't live on the plains of Africa, right, where there are there's lions and alligators and hippos, <laughs> things that can actually eat us, basically. In business and in work, you know, there are two things that could potentially go wrong within that. We lose a bit of money or we look a bit stupid. Or if you're in work, you might lose your job, yeah, okay? Sure. The reality is those are, those can all be mitigated. You can always make more money. You can always get another job. You can, you know... Um, the looking stupid bit, okay, you might have a dent on your pride, but pretty soon you'll get over it. And most of us are too busy anyway, so we're not fussed about what other people are doing. You can get like there's nothing really to be afraid of. Even even to the point of if you stood in the boardroom or having a meeting with your manager and you kind of just quietly sat there thinking, this is just hot air. And if you don't speak your mind, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, no, no, I I I totally agree there. But I think for some people it is just difficult isn't it i mean I, I have to admit i was very much of the opinion you know just keep my head down do my job but now i'm i'm definitely of the of the view look just try it take a chance take your shot and and see what happens it's, uh, it's about finding you used a great word about 20 minutes ago communication and it's all just about finding your way that you can communicate so if your manager's you know amenable and you can sit there and say i think i've got a better way of doing it would you be open to letting me have a go what can they say? They can't really turn yeah. you down for that. And I think it's just having the confidence just to say something. You don't have to be like, no, that's just wrong because that would just be rude, right? But but just you're, you're an idiot. Find, yeah, you you got to you got to find a way to communicate it in a way that you got to sell it. You got to sell yeah, the idea, yeah. and, and um, hopefully that will give you that opportunity to like give it a go. But um, I think too many people are they either they they're either too busy sat there complaining about not getting what they want you know or or they they don't speak up and i think i think the more people that speak up the more people are willing to just take a little bit of a risk make a few mistakes along the way uh, the world will be a much better place no i just love that and and actually it's a, it's quite a good informational thing for for you if you speak to your manager and they're not um on board with your ideas and and if they're reasonable ideas then actually that probably means that company environment or that manager isn't isn't working out for you yes either you shift departments you shift managers or you shift company um which i think is quite a useful informational thing and and actually i think in life um if you are looking at the reality of what's going on you'll actually pick up a lot of because nobody uh you know how it is robin especially i think you know us english there's a lot of subtext going on nobody is actually very confrontational nobody actually says sometimes what they really mean yeah. so there but there are subtle cues you can pick up on how it's going and actually if you are um cognizant of those cues you can actually pick up a lot of information uh, and some people say oh my god you know why didn't they say anything before my assessment and you know sometimes in firms that happens you you don't get any real feedback until the assessment and then they say you're useless or you've been making all these mistakes but actually what what you need to do is pick up those subtle cues from your boss and then that will help you navigate maybe you need to have a discussion with with him or her and say look how is it really going whereas i think if you wait till the assessment there's nothing you can do um i mean what, what do you think robin yeah well in business we call that lead and lag indicators you know if you get wait till the assessment everything that's you've done before that is now yeah. lagged you can't do anything to influence it but if Please. Six months into that year, you you go, hey boss, could we go for a coffee? I've got a few questions to ask you, you know, about how things are going. Would that be all right? You're going to learn at least so if they're if they're honest with you. Hopefully, they'll be open to giving you that feedback there and then. And it could it could just be a matter of you know being really specific. Listen, I want to put myself forward for promotion in January, March, yeah. whenever. Um, what three things are you looking for me to achieve in order to for me to stand a good chance of getting that promotional pay rise? And hopefully, if they're amenable, they'll actually just list off three things, document it, and there you go. It's like now all I've got to do is focus on the well, my job and those three things that they want me to do. Um, then when you come around to the assessment and if they start talking about other stuff, you can be like, well, in yeah. September, we talked about <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Like, why are we now talking about other stuff? Yeah, no, I think that that's a great point. I think get it on the table and just say, look, okay, this is what you asked me to do. I've done it. Um, am I you know, in line for the promotion or do I have a chance? Yeah. If not, then maybe there's something bigger going on and you have to pivot and think about 
your future at the company. So yeah, I think those are great, great thoughts, Robin. So um, Rob, we're coming sort of to the, was the end of the uh, time, really loved everything we've discussed. Um, are there any sort of final thoughts that you might have for say people who are looking for a new job or they want to develop in their career? Any sort of parting words for our uh, audience? I, I don't know what the stats are, but I know that there's a huge number of people who end up in jobs where they're very unhappy. And I think how I can align myself with that, those statistics is with in the small business world, I see a lot of small business owners who end up effectively creating a job for themselves where they it starts out as a, something really exciting and new and fresh. And then, you know, a year or two later, they're like completely bored and unfulfilled with their their job, which they're doing. Um, I think when you step into a new role, when you're deciding on what it is that you want to do, I think be just a little, that little bit more choosy about the role that you want to take on. Um, ideally, if you can find something which is aligned with your values, your vision, your mission and what you're passionate about, um, rather than don't ever just go and get a job or start a business just for the money, because that will only get you so far. There will become a day when it feels like hard work and you won't want to continue it. You'll burn yourself out. Um, the thing which gets um, business owners through, certainly, and I know this applies to uh, people in jobs as well, the morning you wake up and you don't have a spring in your step and you're excited to start work, you know that there's an issue there. And it does help if you go, do you know what, I can suck up some of the marketing and admin that I've got to do if I know that I've got great people who are going to interview me today and I've got great clients that I'm going to speak to and hopefully help. Um, add some value to and I know that I'm making a difference to this world um, you know that keeps you going for decades not just a year or two I just love that Robin obviously I'll make sure all your contact details and your uh, social media LinkedIn Twitter etc cetera, etc cetera, are in the show notes so don't worry Robin um, our listeners will definitely be be in touch with you and you're quite happy for people to reach out to you on LinkedIn or through your website is, is that right? Yeah, 100%. Go and check me out on LinkedIn. Um, I do have a limited number of um, uh, signed copies of Take Your wow. Shot available as well. So if anybody's interested in picking up one of those, then they can go to fearless.biz forward slash TYS. Uh, it's all lowercase for Take Your Shot. Um, and I will happily sign a copy. I take a lot of pride, actually. I sign it and I post it, you know, take a little trip down to the post office and post it by hand myself. Um, just because I know that it does help people. If you're struggling a little bit and you want a bit of motivation, you're not sure why, it will just help you to figure out some of that sort of, you know, what is your purpose? And Robin actually did send me my copy as well. So thank you very much for that, Robin. Really appreciate that. And and one final thing, Robin, um, I like to sort of give my guests a chance to give somebody a shout out who's helped them in their career. Oh, gosh, tons of people. Probably if I was being really practical, um, uh, there was a book which really got me on my self-development journey, which was called um, Built to Sell by a guy called John Warrilow. Um, and again, it's it's if you read it, it's told in a very sort of, um, uh, it's told as a parable, a story. But uh, I read it about eight years ago and it, and it set me off on a journey of sort of like, you know, what is now lifelong learning. I read sort of 50 plus books a year. Um, you know, I, I want the world to be a better place. And I think um, it, it's probably not really so much a shout out just for John Warrilow, you know, the author of that book. But I think just read, you know, authors in general deserve, you know, a huge amount of credit because it. I know having published books, how much it takes to actually write them. And um, and I also think as well, everybody has a book in them, whether they get around to writing it or not. I think you're selfish if you've got a book in you and you don't write it. But uh, to, it's really a big shout out to all of the authors out there. Um, and actually, um, one of my mentors, a guy called Rich Litvin, you can see on the shelf behind me, the Prosper, he wrote The Prosperous Coach with um, Steve Chandler. Um, uh, he is a fantastic coach um, who has really sort of revolutionized, transformed my life in many respects. Um, so yeah, I think probably between... John Warlow, who sits on that shelf, and Rich Litvin, who sits on this shelf, they're probably the two people I'd probably um, give the biggest hat tip to. Fantastic. And actually, Robin, one, one thing from uh, your journey I, I was really impressed by was that when you shut down your digital agency and your wife was pregnant with, you, I think, your second child, and you told her, that was, you know, I've got to give a shout out to your wife for taking that news <laughs> so well and not no, divorcing you. Yes, right. I definitely don't give her enough credit. She supported me through that. Um, you know, we, 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 we're a good team, actually, because I, I helped her with the business plan for her two promotions as well. So, cool. um, but yeah, uh, that is certainly the international sign of distress went out when I went home and said, <laughs> oh, darling, I want to close the agency. And she's got eight months pregnant, you know, that, that went down a storm. Yeah. And, and so your wife's name is? Charlotte. Charlotte. Okay. Well, shout out to Charlotte for Absolutely. dealing with that situation very well. Dealing with me very well, yes. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think it just shows that, look, nobody is an island. You can't do things on your own. You need help. I mean, even with the podcast that not even with, but without the great guests like yourself, Simon, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be anywhere. So I think everything is a team effort. And obviously, you've got all the listeners and the audience are the same with the people who who follow you without them. Uh, we wouldn't be yeah, hopefully where, where we are today and and go going forward in the future. So shout out to everybody who supports both Robin and myself as well. Absolutely. No, well said. Brilliant. Anyway, Robin, it has been so much fun. Um, I could ca- carry on talking with you for another hour, but you've got you've got things to do. So have I. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time today, Robin. Really appreciate it. And, you know, continued success with the work that you're doing. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Robin. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such a fun interview. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, please subscribe to the podcast, which is available on your favorite providers. And subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Wishing you success with your career. I hope you will join me again in the future.